Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. busy with a sermon series, um, if you will, we're talking about the words and works of Jesus, and uh, we're having a good time. Who's, who's enjoying the words and works of Jesus? Just diving into it, just squishing, you know, the juice out of, out of the words of Jesus. And tonight, we're actually going to read a whole chapter. Um, it's an incredible chapter, Luke 15. Um, we find ourselves... Um, with another confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees. Now, um, if, you, if you are new around here or new around church, I, I apologize if every now and then we, we mention a term and then, you know, you're not exactly sure what we're talking about. So every now and then I just want to stop and explain a little bit what a certain term might mean. Or when I say Pharisee, you know what I'm talking about. So let, let's just stop for a second. So there was a group of people um, called the Pharisees. And, and these guys were the legends when it came to the law of God. They knew the scriptures. They memorized chapters and chapters and chapters of the Old Testament and could rehearse it. They Everything about them, the way they dressed, communicated something about their faith. And uh, the problem with these men is their faith was so solidly built on what they did and did not do that it was very hard for them to realize that Jesus was the Son of God who carried life in himself. And so we see a confrontation between uh, them and Jesus through the gospel many times. We see it. And here we are again. And we see that Jesus connects very well with sinners. Uh, we mentioned it in worship. And here comes these men. And this is what they say in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. Doesn't that sound familiar? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. All right, that's our setting. The very fact that Jesus is welcoming sinful people like you and me into his presence, it's a problem for these men. And what Jesus does in this chapter is he tells three parables. Two of them is very short, one or two verses each. And then the third one is a bit longer. And we're going to focus on the third one, which is the parable of the prodigal son. Okay. And we're going to dissect it a bit tonight. But before we get into the nitty gritties, I want you to take a deep breath. And I'm just going to read through it. Just going to let the scripture just wash over this church. We are here to preach the Bible. We're not here to talk stories. Amen. So let's hear what the Word's got to say, and let's read it together as a congregation. So let's start from verse 3. And so he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, 
he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner. Pharisees, listen up, guys. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. Okay? Second story, short one. Or what woman, having ten silver coins... If she loses one coin, does not light a lamb and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, Pharisees and scribes, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay. And he goes on and he tells a third story. Let's read it together. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, just before I go on, I want you to remember the scene on which the story falls. There's the scribes and the Pharisees. Here's the sinners and these men. They are questioning Christ. How can the sinners be here? This story is a response to verse 1 and 2. Are you with me? He's illustrating something to the Pharisees. And the younger one of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had took, and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he rehearsed the speech, and then he goes in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came, uh, guess who the older son 
resemble in the story. Remember who he's telling the story to, all right? Everything he does, everything he says, words and works of Jesus, always with a purpose. Here comes the older son. Now his oldest son was in the field, and as he came, he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. I don't know how you hear dancing. I mean, they must, they must be partying, you know, maybe tap dance or something, but they heard it, okay? <laughs> and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive he was lost and is found that's how jesus answers the pharisees See, he welcomes sinners. So the title of the sermon is The Good, the Bad, and the Father. All right? Um, and, and we're going to just dissect this a little bit. So let's work through this. And uh, it's interesting. He sits with the Pharisees. And the first thing he says is, What man, if he has sheep and one of them gets lost, does not go and found them? Very, very interesting example. And we think sheep are cute, okay? Who thinks little lambs are cute? Like I do. I mean, like a bottle in the morning. You know, they, they're cute and funny and they taste nice. But here's the thing. <laughs> uh, don't laugh now. I know you guys. When we go home, it's choppies. Uh, it's actually a great insult to these Pharisees what Jesus is saying if you find your dog that maybe strayed away from your home maybe you were jogging around the neighborhood and you found him you say books come and you point and he goes and he's like oh I remember the way home hey a cat I mean they go they come lions Cheetahs, these animals know their territory. They have ways to mark. They know exactly. They know social dynamics. You know, if there's a one male that's growing up, they'll kick him out. He'll know, don't come here. But not sheep. They will eat their way to the end of a cliff, and they will fall off. That's how they are. They will eat like a grassies, grassies, grassies. Oh, it's dark. There's no one here. Everyone, the whole herd has moved on. And so Christ is saying, I am here to find those who know they are completely and utterly lost without me. There is no way a sheep can save himself. None. He must be carried home on the shoulders of the Savior. 
And so Christ opens his account like this. He says, I'm the shepherd. And let, let it be known to everyone, there is not one that is here tonight. Know this, let, let it get into your head. You are not here. Or if you're in another congregation, you're visiting us. You have not found your way to church. Did you know that? You are not able. He came for you. So why does he spend time with sinners? How else? How else will they find him? Okay? And that's what he's saying. These are powerful words. And he goes on and he talks about a coin. He says, this woman looks for the coin. Okay, have you seen any coins jumping out, out of a couch? There's always a lot of them in there. They don't jump out, okay? You look for your cell phone and then you find knickknacks, fritos, and coins in the couch, Okay? And they're like, oh, five rand. Okay? They don't come out themselves. And so he sets the stage, and then for our main piece, which we're going to dissect, is this story about the good, the bad, and the father. So if we could have slide five on, we're going to have it on. I'm not going to read everything again, talk through it. Very important thing. This younger son goes to his dad, and he says, give me my inheritance. What this young son is saying between the lines to his father is, I cannot wait any longer for you to die that I may have my money. Now, maybe in today, even in today's terms, imagine going to your dad, I want my inheritance so long. I mean, it, it's, it, it will be kind of rude, like, right? But even today, a lot of what people have is cash. It's money they can get. And sometimes parents love to give their kids a head start. Nothing wrong with that. So they will say, listen, this is part of your inheritance. We're going to help you with a deposit of a house. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is back then, mostly what you earn was in land. It was in the land. It was the farm, the place you inhabited. That, that was the inheritance and the animals that walked upon it. So there was no way to go and draw a whole lot of money and give it to a son. You had to literally sell where you live. And the father at this stage shows that he's a gracious and a good father because in the ancient Eastern culture, at this moment, the father could have his son locked up or killed for blatant disrespect. And what the father does is he says, he divided his property, what we get in verse 12, and not many days later, the younger son gathered it and he went away. He's got a gracious father, know it. This son's got a good father. Let's go on. Well, he takes everything and he squanders his property in reckless living. All right? So the scripture is kind, yeah? The older brother colors it in. A bit later, he says, spends it on prostitutes, all right? Goes on, verse 14, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Now, imagine for a moment, let's park here with a younger brother. Imagine spending everything you have, everything. But don't imagine yourself in Secunda because you could just walk and go stay in, in, in Mari's place. You say, Mari, give me a place to sleep and be Imagine yourself being in Afghanistan and you have spent everything. And just as you spend your last penny, boom, a famine breaks out and people are no longer generous. 
Now this man spent his money in reckless living, and then it said no one gave him everything. Where's the people he, he, he had the good times with? They're all gone. He's got nothing left. He's all alone. Now, let's, let's just quickly talk about this younger son, because we have two sons here, and we're going to talk about both. This younger son has got, let's put him in a box, okay? Today, we see a lot of people going on journeys of self-discovery, self-enlightenment, okay? Venturing in the world to find faith, eat, pray, love, right? Junk like that. And this is what the son is doing. And a lot of people, they're on a journey to find what they're looking for, love, life. And this is what this man is doing. And so he departs from the father. He says, Father, I'm not interested in you. I want your stuff. And he goes. But on this journey, as with every other journey in this world, it always ends in extreme poverty. Maybe not literally when it comes to finances, but complete poverty in relationships, hope, and maybe people end up in depression. And when people reach the place that this young man reached, often in this world, it's where they find a gun and end the story. What we see with young people and older people committing suicide, it's not a new thing. Jesus knew it back then. Interesting thing, a while ago, there was a documentary on a music channel, VH1. Very interesting. They had every night the life of a very, very successful singer, right? And he, photos of him growing up, the start of his musical career, then comes the money and the women and the drugs. And, and these people are just riding the waves. And nine out of ten times, how does the story end? I'm going to find my hope. I'm going to find love. I'm going to find meaning in this world. And when they've exhausted every single avenue and it is empty, a depression hits. And there's only one of two things that happens. People take their lives or they wait to die. Unless they come to themselves and they turn back to the Father. This one of these two sons tonight will be your story and my story. Let's go on. Verse 17. I'm just doing a running commentary tonight, and then we'll end with three truths for us, okay? When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? before I rush ahead. It says he went to a man and he hired himself out to feed the pigs. When we go on a journey, when we venture away from God and we start to look for life in other places, um, there's a term, hedonism. It means to, to just chase the one high after the next. Eventually, you will hire yourself out to something. Substance abuse. You will hire yourself out to slave away for money. You will hire yourself out to pornography. But at one stage, there will be a master. You'll say, okay, just get me through this day. Maybe it's a bottle. 
And this is what happened to this young man. Until, until he came to himself. Okay. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against you. Okay. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. We go on and there the son goes and he goes to his father. Now, he goes to his father. Father sees him from afar off. Remember where we are. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. Are you still with me tonight? We're going fast. A lot of stuff. At the end, we'll bring it to three points. So if some of the running commentary goes over your head, don't worry. Just plug back in. Middle Eastern patriarchs, men, fathers, they did not run. It was a sign of being out of control. They walked. Okay? Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees, when the father sees the son, he runs to meet his son. And so we come into church and we think, man, I cannot draw near to God. I'm too sinful. And we reserved, but the father comes running to meet with you. And these Pharisees are offended unless there's some of them right there coming to themselves. And their eyes are opening. This will either offend them or it might save them if they are open. But the father runs. And now what the son says in the previous verses, he says, I'm going to tell my father, I want to be a hired servant. Now, there's two types of people that would work on those properties. The ones would be the slaves. The slaves would live in the house. They would have a room. And they will not really get paid, but they will eat with the family and they will work on the farm. But a hired servant would come from the town, would not even live there. Count me as a hired servant. I cannot live even under your roof. And hire me, because obviously, or probably what many commentators say, is that this man is so repentant that he wants to pay his father back. So he says, hire me and put the money back in your wallet until maybe one day, maybe he's dreaming to be a son again. But the father's got other plans and he comes and he embraces his son. Father actually interrupts his repentance, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Who would have the best robe in that house? Who would have the best robe in that house? The father. Bring my robe. Put it on this man. So whose robe is covering your sin? Can you see? He's telling these Pharisees, I'm running out to sinners that I may cover them. You know? And they're not waking up. I put a ring on his hand. In other words, you're a son again. A ring means authority, which means if you go to the market and uh, you don't have your money with you, you can buy some oxen, take your uh, ring stamp. That means that house owes the money. You can deal with the family. This father welcomes him in, does not allow him to pay. Brings him in because his heart is right. And shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf. And does his carpine, eh? <laughs> and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and he's alive again. Now, very important. 
It's not bring one of the fattened calf. It is bring the fattened calf. What you need to understand is meat like that was not a daily meal for those people. They would eat a lot of bread, a lot of grain. They would work with it. But when you take some of your meat, it means something is happening. And when you take the fattened calf, for a dad, it would be like the day your daughter gets married. You save for that. You've prepared for that, especially in today's world. And now it is, and you take out the money, and it hurts you and your credit card, and okay, now she can get married. And in a sense, what the father is doing is going to get the best, the fattened calf. Because my son was dead, and he's alive. Now, guess who wanted the fattened calf for him? The older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, your father has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he hath received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you have never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with who? With my friends. Now, what we need to see is that both these brothers, they actually very much the same. What they want is the same in the beginning of the story. They're just taking different routes to go to it. The one's going by bike and the one's going by car. It's exactly the same thing they want. Both of them wants the father's what? Stuff. Money. The fattened calves, the ox and the land. Both of them want it. The one takes it and goes away. The other one is working. He's being a good man, but he's trying to earn his dad's stuff. He does not want the father. He says, I want a go to go spend some time with my friends. See, I have worked. I have slaved away. When am I getting my stuff? Why can he get the cough or the fattened cough? Very important that we understand this. The older brother is the Pharisees, and it is in all of us sitting here, okay? That's how sin works. It, it lies in our hearts, and as we discover it, we take it out through repentance. But this thing is in all of us, some of a younger brother, some of an older brother. Older brother syndrome, check this out. Older brothers, I'm going to offend you now, but it's okay. I'm just giving you a warning. And I know I'm offending myself because a lot of this is true for me. The older brother is always angry. And he's angry. I see the four brothers laughing at each other. That's a moeilijkheid. Renier is not a moeilijkheid for now. I'm going to go for The oldest brother is always angry. Here comes the offense. The 
older brother is angry with the white people. The older brother is angry with the black people. The older brother is angry with the brown people. The older brother is angry with the Indian people. The older brother is angry, angry, angry because he believes he deserves a life where his circumstances must be smooth because he earns it. And let no one mix in with his affairs in any way. And he's angry again. He doesn't like the headmaster. He doesn't like the rugby coach. He doesn't like the springbok coach. He doesn't, he, he's always angry because the thing is, in his heart, he believes the before him. And that seed is in all of our hearts. Know it so that you can identify it. And so when the younger brother comes back, he gets angry. How can that person be in church? I know what that person used to be like when we were in school. That's the heart of an older brother. We must kill the spirit of an older brother in this church. Because the older brother is a Pharisee. And the older brother struggles to build the kingdom because when a sinner comes in, he's angry. And it lies underneath. There's two sons here, two prodigal sons. The one just stayed at home. His heart was not with the father. Because in the father's most amazing, humblest day, the father's obviously crying. It is the father's biggest day. He will not go in with his dad. His dad's been waiting and crying day after day after day. He's too angry to go in. Watch out. We read scripture with open eyes. The one son, I'm just going to use the term bad and good, but just put some, but quick is open. The bad son wanted his father's st stuff and he went and he was bad. The good son, same thing, just looks different. It's hard for us to understand it because we come from a traditional country. It's about the heart. Okay? It's about the heart. He says to his father, when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours came, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. You welcome sinners? That's what he's saying. It's exactly what he's saying. You welcome the sinner? And the dad said to him, the dad is outside the house. This is, this is a busy dad. He runs to find the one in the field. The party's on the inside. He's in, in the fields with an older brother. Once again, disrespecting him, he says, my son. And that word translated as son, but the idea scripture is giving here is the word more my son child. The father is, is in his heart saying, my child, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Don't you see it, son? I am supposed to be the reward. When the youngest brother messed up everything, he, did, he had nothing to come back to except his father. When he came back, he came for the father. He messed up his inheritance. He, he, he tells the older brother, I have been with you. Can you not see? But he can only see the father's stuff, not the father. 
Now, hear what I'm saying here. The oldest brother is not included in the banquet, which is, which is just a symbol for the kingdom of God coming in. Sinners come in like me and you. Isn't it amazing? The older brother at the moment is on the outside. He's not on the outside, listen up, in spite of his goodness. He's on the outside because of his goodness. Because he believes he has earned himself to a level. His goodness, his works have become his stumbling stone. And the Father raises up what we call relationship. Not what you do, relationship. Me. I have been here all along with you. He relies on his own works. So, don't be fooled in this world. Just to use that terms again, bad people, good people, we're all, we're all both. Bad people, which might look like they're squandering their lives, they're wasting their money, their parents' money, they may be under the bridges tonight, we don't know where they are. They, they've thrown it away. They must come back to God. Those who are in a routine of acting like Christians might maybe also need to come back to God. Both. And in this story, the Pharisees... They are the older brother. He welcomes sinners. Yes. Like this man who came with a heart to turn back to God. Come in. And so he's telling the Pharisees, watch out that you don't end up in the fields. And these people, these prostitutes, these tax collectors that you are despising, they might already be in the party. So let me tell you what. One day... At the gates of heaven, there's going to be chaos when the older brothers come. And it's going to be a day of tears. Let us understand this. He's not looking for what you can do. He's looking for your heart so that afterwards you serve him from a place of relationship. Are you with me tonight? Duty cannot be without beauty. You can set this stage up every week. If it does not come from a heart of worship, you will get offended with the Father. See His beauty and then serve. Three points. Very important for us. Guys, are you with me? Do you understand what we're saying here tonight? Okay. Number one. Good people and bad people, we're just reflecting on this story, must both come to repentance and rely solely on the good, complete work that Jesus did on the cross. It's only one. It's only one that did a work that can bring you in. Jesus. No amount of working effort coming to church can qualify you to be called a son. You must be received. And then he takes his robe, 
his righteousness and he puts it on you without deserving it. And then he says, my child, are you with me? can solely rely on the complete work that Jesus did. Now, before we smash point number two, very important, he tells two parables. And some of the stuff, some of the most amazing stuff Jesus says, he says when he does not say stuff, okay? First parable, a man goes out and he finds a sheep. Are you with me? Behind the thickets, down the mountain, he finds you. Okay? He will find you. The second one, the woman is looking for a coin. She searches under the couch. Everywhere, any eskas. You know, that's where we put stuff. Until the coin is found. And then, very important, a good father stays at home. There's two sons. One goes out. But no one goes to find him. You thought about that? Whose job was it to go and find old youngster? Older brother. But he did not go. Whose job was it to partner with Christ and get the word out? Pharisees. They knew the most. I mean, with the message of, of Jesus and the Spirit, with all their knowledge, they were the Ferrari to take the gospel. They had the influence of towns, but they would not go. And so the poor youngster in the story is left to fend for himself. But here's the thing, guys. Number two, we have an older brother, Jesus who came for us and battled every sin and died brutally to find you and forgive you. Isn't that amazing? You are loved. You've got so much sin that you should be scared, okay? And if you don't think you've got a lot, then you might especially be in trouble. Because that's a problem with the older brother. He's in a very dangerous place because he thinks he's okay. You have a lot of sins, so do I. That's why he comes to love us. He fights through your sin to forgive you. He knows about it. So even though you have all that sin, you are extremely loved. Even though you have it. So that you can come to him and say, Make me one of your hired servants. And he says, no, you're a son. Can you say, I've got a lot of sin, I've got a problem with sin? Very important that you can say that because it's on the other side that your forgiveness lies. Okay? You guys with me tonight? He finds both the good and the bad son, if we can use those terms. We have a wonderful older brother. And the last one. Once we are saved, forgiven, 
Shelf us a kuna, listen up. He sends us to be a brother that goes out into the trenches looking for our lost family. All authority has been given to me. Now go. Let us not be like the older brother that stays and will not go and find. The harvest is ready, but the older brothers that will go are few. Can you see where we are going with this? You are not touched, saved, washed to stay within the courts. You are sent to go and gather with Christ. Amen. I've, I thought about it um, as I was preparing for this. I, I, I know, I mean, we can't put ourselves in a box. I think the sin of the bad and the good son, both we find in ourselves and we all get angry when stuff doesn't work out. I'm the first one. We all often run away, okay? Again, I'm the first one. But think for a moment, if just to have a, a conversation. Do you think we've got more older brothers here? or more younger brothers. We don't have to vote on that, but just for a moment, look around. Do we have more older brothers here, or more younger brothers? I know what I think. And so, um, there's a, a church father that used to end his sermons like this. He would say, he would make a point and he said, so if we are the older or the younger brother, go figure out what that means for you personally. Go think about that. Let's stand up tonight. It's, uh, it's uh, wonderful to, to come to God and, you know, when you come to Him the first time, you, you're almost very scared, you know, for rejection. You know, may, maybe He will reject me like the other people in my family. And then when we meet Him, it's, it's really amazing to experience saving grace. It's, it's incredible. What is also amazing is then if we start to partner with Him and we go out to gather the other people who are just as lost and to make a difference. And there's a lot of people in this church that knows, you know, you can't separate what you do during the week from church. It's one thing. We're on the same page. We've been around that block. But just for a mind shift, in a way, culture shapes our thoughts and we think, so if God would send me to Afghanistan, okay, to be a missionary, yo, man, I'd be, I'd be missioning every day. I'd be talking to people, telling them about Jesus, inviting them to the little home church. Or if he sends me to China, you know, I'd, I'd connect with the people, make sure I find a job where there's people or children I can connect with and share the gospel. But here's the thing. You are a missionary in Secunda. <laughs> you are already and I almost want to say and I say to myself first 
if there is not more than one invitation that's going out from us to invite someone to church or small group or to your home one a week, then we are not doing our job. Then we have become complacent. You guys getting what I'm saying here? You are that full-time missionary already. Go and find your younger brother out in the fields. And when you invite him, then it's not your business what his answer is. Pray for him. Plead with a father to change his heart. But when you invite, when you minister, don't feel broken when people reject you or Christ. Get up and go again. I want 200 missionaries in this town. People who live here and work here and believe that they're missionaries. That's my heart. Join me in that, please.